Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Dinner and a Show. I am your host, Tom Bland, and with me today I have my friend Ethan. Hello. Uh, today we're going to be talking about uh, two shows and a local place called Clinton Street Pub. Um, Clinton Street Pub is... What, you know where it is, actually? I've never been there. Um, well, it's on Clinton Street. Um, <laughs> <laughs> That's true. <laughs> it's very close to... It's downtown... Um, right around there is where our old office used to be. Okay. Uh, at TCG Player. Um, oh, that's right. Right by Modern Malt as well. That's where I had my, my interview, or not my interview, but my, um, uh, my first, like, orientation day, which was, yeah. you and Bob were there. That's right. Okay. We, we also work together. <laughs> um, and it's, it's, as the name suggests, it's a pub, so it's got lots of good, uh, pub food. Um. Beer. And beer. Yeah. And beer. And uh, most important beer. I got the, uh, Haddock Sandwich. And you went with... I went with the fish and chips. Which... The Haddock Sandwich was really good. It was absolutely humongous. Um, there was, like, basically a Haddock Filet and a half stacked inside a bun. And it was a little on the dry side, but that's actually kind of how I prefer my fish. So that's fine with me, and it tasted delicious anyway. The fish I got fish and chips, and the fish was really good. Um, I like the seasoning that they used. It was the right amount. Um... Also, I got potato wedges, and I am a fan of wedges. They, you know, I always go for fries, but whenever I do have potato wedges, they're so good. I just, you can't go wrong. Like, potato wedges and tots. Like, come on. Yeah, you, you have to actively try to mess those up. I oh, like. yeah. Like, it's impossible. Uh, but it was it was really good, and the prices weren't, like, overly insane. I mean, for what the sandwich, I think the... It was fifteen for the haddock filet and, fry and wedges, and that was like I said, that thing was humongous. So. Yeah, mine was also fifteen. Yeah. Uh, so if you're ever in the downtown Syracuse area, definitely give Clinton Street Pub a check out once you know Corona has stopped ending the world. I know some restaurants are opening up a little bit, like um, what's that new place just opened? Oh, my darling. Oh, is back ooh, in, in I've people. been wanting to try that place. I haven't looked at the menu, but I, th I, it's I'm curious. It looks. It looks nice from what I've seen walking by it, going to work. I also want to try it because it's also a speakeasy. Is it? Yeah, that's where the speakeasy is. Okay, that's cool. Yes. So, like, I want them to reopen up so I can go. They Yeah, I don't know if, like, they're fully, fully open, but they had people sitting outside yesterday. Oh, okay, so. yeah. Uh, all right, well, now on to what we watched. Uh, the two shows we watched were Galavant, the first two episodes, and the pilot of Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. Uh, for those who don't know, Galavant and Crazy Ex-Girlfriend are both musical shows. Galavant is set in, like, a fantastical medieval setting, and Crazy Ex-Girlfriend is a contemporary uh, romance story. Um, and watching the back-to-back, -back, there are weirdly similarities between the two of them. Hell yeah. Um, Galavant is only 20 minutes per episode, Crazy Ex-Girlfriend's a full 44. Um, we'll start with Galavant, because that's what we watch first. Uh, Galavant, we get, like, this really... It's not, like, superly long. It's, like, a two- or three-minute opening song just kind of introducing you to Galavant and how he's, like, the greatest hero across the land and he has this girlfriend, Magdalena, <laughs> and just all this stuff. And it's such an infectious song. Just knowing that I was going to watch it today, I was singing in my head for probably an hour before you showed up to watch oh my God. <laughs> I also was, like, trying to sing along. Like, this is the first time seeing it. And, like, immediately I was like, oh, man, this is really good. I have to sing along. It, yeah, the, the jester is kind of, like, the narrator for the show. Oh, my so God. So whenever there's, like, those big exposition-y songs, it's him. Um, 
And it's so bad because the season two, like the series finale one he does, the opening of the, the series finale, is so good. Mm. And I can't tell you anything because you're going to have to watch it on your own. Oh, yeah. Um, so we see um, uh, Galavant's girlfriend, Madalena, gets kidnapped by King Richard, who is oddly like Daryl. Oh, my God. He is Daryl. <laughs> Their, like, personality is, like, equally, like, creepily, like... They're very the cringy. Same. Like... Very cringy. Uh, um, and King Richard kidnaps Madalena and takes her to his palace, and he, like, we, we open up on the wedding day. Gallivant storms the castle to get her back, and he makes a huge speech about how Richard can offer her fame and fortune and all this stuff, but he can't offer her love. And that is the one thing that Gallivant can give her that he'll never be able to top. And Madalena says, now that she's had some time to think about it... Mm, diamonds are a little best friend, okay? <laughs> Let me just say. So she kicks Gallivant to the curb. <laughs> and uh, we cut to a year later. He's become a drunken mess. His squire, Sid, who is... I love Sid. Uh, is trying to get him out of his funk. He brings Princess Isabella or Marie... Like, some ridiculous Isabel name. Isabella with the 30,000 names. Yeah. Uh, and she wants his help because King Richard has invaded her kingdom of Valencia and is after the Jewel of Valencia, which is this priceless family relic. And he's totally not into it at first because he doesn't know it's Richard yet. And he's like, sorry, can't help you. Really not my thing anymore. Um, I, I just, I love how, like, how musical Gallivant is. Like, there's, like, I'd say it's like 50-50 dialogue. Oh, yeah. Almost. Crazy Ex-Girlfriend is more, like, light on the songs. But they come at more, like, pivotal moments. Yeah. And are really, like, impactful. Like, the songs in Gallivant help the story carry along further. Yeah. Um, and I think that's also probably why the episodes are only, like, 20 minutes. Because if you're trying to pack in a, a, that many songs oh. per episode, it'd be insane. Yeah. Um, and it's, yeah, it's just fun. Because, like, she's, she's trying, like, her half of the song is, like, this really uplifting, like, come on, you gotta do this. And his half is just, I just want to drink and... <laughs> lay in bed all day leave me alone <laughs> <laughs> well that's a dream but like come on. right and like they kept making fat jokes about him he didn't he like, oh my god boy has like a pack yeah it's like, like mm. i don't think you really put on a ton of weight for as much as you're allegedly binge drinking no um but then she at a pub later uh she mentions that it is richard who has invaded her kingdom and that's when he's like Oh my god, it's this fucking guy again. <laughs> like, why couldn't you say that at the beginning? And then he would just be like, yo, we're there. We're gonna kill him now. Well, remember, Richard did tell her to write it down, and she did not write it down. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, well, we'll get to that in a second. But, so he finds out it's Richard, and then, um, uh, so yeah, he's all into it. Sid's happy that Gallivant's got his, his, uh, his fighting spirit back. And they take off on their adventure. Uh, the next episode opens up with them on their, or uh, we think it's them on their quest, and then uh, Isabella says something along the lines of, wow, this has been a really easy quest, and Gallivant's like, yeah, too easy. <laughs> and these dudes just jump out of nowhere from the forest. He gets off his horse and kicks the crap out of all of them, and then Madalena shows up, and you mentioned this earlier. I didn't catch it the first time I watched it, but... Oh, in the background, during the fight scene, you can see like, a bluish figure in the background, and it's pretty far off in the distance, and then instantly that figure is right next to Gallivant, 
And it freaked me out. <laughs> and it turns out it's the princess. Yeah. And bringing it all together, it's a dream of his. Yeah. But, who still was pretty creepy. That was some kind of, like, insidious kind of stuff. <laughs> like... If, oh, didn't I tell you about the big crossover that happens? Oh, oh no, oh no. I will not watch anymore because I do not do scary. No, it's not scary. Um, but yeah, so Madeline is telling him like, oh my God, I knew you'd come for me and all this, you know, basically everything he's wanted to hear for the past year. But then Richard shows up right next to her and says, ah, you're, you're, you're a big joke and we're going to go back to the castle and just bang a bunch. And then he goes, how can you be a hero if you don't even have pants on? <laughs> And then he wakes up out of the nightmare, and they, they kind of stare at him. And he goes, oh, my pants are on. My pants are definitely on. <laughs> <laughs> and, I, yeah, it's just, it's it's a really goofy show, and I love that crap. Um, it's it's tough, because they did a really good job of blending the, like, the drop, like, the character drama and, like, the heaviness of the show with the absolute insanity that, like, the musical nature of this kind of requires. Oh, yeah. Um, so, they, they're, they're going along the path in real life now, Gallivant's awake, and they come to a crossroads, which has one way says Valencia, the other way says Winterfell from Game of Thrones, and then there's an arrow pointing down that says hell. (laughs) (laughs) And and tagged to that is a poster, or a flyer, for a jousting competition. And they know they're gonna need some money to make this long trek, so they basically convince Gallivant to join it. They get there, and there's a hundred shilling entry fee. Don't got it. And is it Sid who just, like... Oh, yeah. Sid just goes over, reaches into the little princess's bag, and just takes the gem out. And is like, oh, here we go. We got the money. (laughs) Yeah. So they accept that as collateral. And after that... Oh, during this, we meet um, John Hamm, who is, like, an old nemesis of Galloway. Perfect last name. Yeah. Perfect last name. Played by John Stamos. And, yeah, he's mm. he's very hammy. He's making, like, yo mama jokes. Perfect man. And very over the top with everything. Oh. Mm-hmm. And um, as they're trying to put on Gallivant's armor, Sid and Gallivant, Isabella looks over and, like, they're putting it on backwards. And he's like, I don't know if this is right. I haven't done this in a year. And she's like, holy shit, these idiots are going to lose. I got to figure out something. And she makes a speech about how, like, this is insane. Gallivant shouldn't have to fight through the preliminaries. He's Gallivant. You know, he's, like, killed dragons and yeah. So they give Gallivant a, pretty much a bye right to the finals. And she comes over and says, all right, you idiots, I've given you a day to figure this out. We're going to train and get you back in fighting shape. Mm. John Hamm doesn't give a shit. He's like, ah, I'm going to get to the finals anyway and beat this guy. Um... So then we get this training montage where he is just, he's failing, failing He can't hold a sword. Nope. She is challenging him to a combat, and she just quickly disarms him. Instantly. Instantly. And he's like, well, okay, that's a fluke. (laughs) No, 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 no. No, 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 no. We get another disarmament. He's like, okay, I see how one year has totally messed me up. And he starts to get, like, serious, like, okay, we're gonna really go after her. No, 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 no. You're not ready. And he finally realizes, okay, maybe I need to train a little bit. Yep. And decides to let her train her, him. And basically, they, like, train and train and train. And you can go, and you see him get, like, stronger, quote-unquote. Yeah, doing the clapping push-ups <clears throat> oh, and everything. Yeah. The one-handed push-ups. <laughs> 
Uh, but then, <laughs> at the end, he finishes his training, and they get ready to do the final round of the jousting tournament. And turns out that Gallivant has uh, been training a little too hard. Yep. And has a little muscle fatigue. And delayed onset muscle fatigue. <laughs> cannot uh, move his arms or anything. But he's actually on an even playing field because Isabella like was hedging her bets and she went to John Ham's tent and got him shit faced on absinthe. Absinthe is like the warm blood of my soul. <laughs> And it's great, because when he comes out of his tent, he just throws up through his visor. Oh my god, it's so disgusting. <laughs> There's so much, like, nuclear green spew coming out. Yeah, Ugh. it was pretty disgusting. Um, oh, we forgot to mention, so we we found out at this point not, that Isabella was actually discovered by Richard. Because... Madalena has been henpecking him this whole time to get the Jewel of Valencia. And he couldn't get it, couldn't get it, and she keeps pecking, like, nagging at him by saying, oh, Gallivant could have done this by now. And he actually finds the Jewel of Valencia. It was with Isabella. And he's about to tell her he got it, and then she basically just shit-talks him some more, saying how, like, he's not a real man, and, you know, Gallivant is just way better than him. So he comes up with a plan. He gives the Jewel back to Isabella, and tells her to go get Gallivant, telling this whole story and how Isabella's or Madeleine has been crying this whole time, saying she made the wrong choice, and uh, that it's going to lure Gallivant to him so he can kill him in front of her and prove that he is better than Gallivant. Um, so yeah, the flashback forward to the joust. They in the world's slowest horse collision. Oh my god! John uh... <laughs> Ham and Gallivant hit each other off their horses. Uh, and then the guy comes over who's running the jobs and says, I guess the first guy who can stand up wins? And they, they just pathetically stumble oh. to their feet. It looks like the day after, uh, St. Patrick's Day. <laughs> I mean, one of them is really drunk, so it's appropriate. Yeah. Um, they both stand up, but John Hamm immediately falls back down, so they declare Gallivant the winner. They get their thousand shillings, they get the jewel backs, and they also win a chicken, and Sid asks, are we eating the chicken or keeping it? Because if we're going to eat it, I'm not going to name it. And then Gallivant tells him, we're going to eat the chicken. And then we, we cut away from that. And that's the end of episode two. Um, I love Gallivant. It was one of those things where I was like just bored on Netflix one day, and I watched it. And mm. I, 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 I must have must have watched the whole first season in like one day. Oh my gosh. Because it was so good. Um, it's really cool because the whole cast is hilarious. The music is great. Uh, the King Richard and Gareth, his, his right-hand man. Uh, is... Gareth is my homeboy. <laughs> he is so snarky. It is, uh, speaks to my soul. Everybody sing! <laughs> uh, yeah, he's, like, very much no-nonsense. Like, Richard's this big foppish idiot. And Gareth is kind of like the guy who's been charged with basically keeping him alive and is just kind of surprised that Richard is <laughs> just this dumb. Also in the second episode, I love how King Richard transforms in this episode. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, in the beginning, he's being heavily henpecked. Uh, and he goes on this like little personal quest of like becoming more butch and manly. And... Oh my gosh. 
he turns over like this new leaf, quote unquote. <laughs> but you can still see like the old Richard in there. Yeah, immediately after it starts to work, he reverts back to like ridiculous over the top like giggly like ridiculous Richard. Like homeboy was having chef. Yeah. Spoon feed him. <laughs> Here Nico. comes the catapult. Open up. Oh my god. This one's coming in on horseback. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, the, the, the cast works, has amazing chemistry with each other. It only gets better as the show progresses because everybody gets, like, even the chef gets, like, more depth. Mm. I thought the chef what? was going to be, like, a one or two off character. He's, like, in the show for the whole show. What? Yeah. It's great. Oh my gosh. Uh, Gareth doesn't really sing much in season one, but it, uh, in season two he gets a lot more to do. Um, it's just, it's great. And it, they, they subvert a lot of the ridiculous tropes like because Ga- uh, Galavan at one point says to Isabella sorry I don't really have time for the whole damsel in distress thing and Isabella's like bitch I can kick your ass and she does for a while oh yeah um, and it's great because Richard they set up initially as this scheming evil king and he, he is but like Madalena once she becomes queen is way worse than he is oh we know who wears the pants in that relationship oh, because 100% homegirl got it yeah Cause she, the opening time she she handpecks him with the, the whole Galavan thing in the show and he's like, "What did you just say?" And she just gets right in his face and said, "Galavan would have not stood for this." <laughs> and he just sits back down. That's what I thought you said. <laughs> I also like typically and like historically, kings have the like piece on the side, and uh, in this episode, uh, she has the side piece. Yep. And he's the gesture, <laughs> and she's like, "Oh." You're so funny. I want to hear more in my chambers. Yeah. Like, mm, and we know what's happening. At that point, uh, Richard looks at Gareth and goes, I don't know, this comedy stuff must just go right over my head. Something's going and over Ga- your yeah, head. Gareth looks at the gesture, then looks at Madalena and back over here. Yeah, yeah, no, it's, it's going right over your head. <laughs> um, and it's it's cool because, I can't really tell you why, but like the, the stuff they do with Gareth, because like, initially he's just this ridiculous, like super butch, like manly guy, and he's like almost like a caricature of that. But as the show goes on, he gets a lot more depth, and they do a lot more with him. Yeah, like, he doesn't change, like, completely, but okay. they, they add some stuff to him that makes him not just this one-note, like, brute character. Okay. And it's, it's fun. Um, it's it's hilarious. It's short. It's only, sadly, two seasons. Uh, the first season got, like, barely renewed for a second one, so they knew that going into season two, that there's probably a decent chance they weren't going to get a season three. So they, they wrap up most of the stuff, but they leave just enough open in case they had gotten to season three. Um, but yeah, it's two, it's two seasons, 20 episodes. The music is great. The acting is great. The, the cast chemistry is all there. I cannot recommend Galavant enough. I'm definitely going to finish watching it by the end of the weekend. Oh, yeah. I, I expect progress reports. <laughs> oh, oh, definitely. Definitely. Um, all right. Well, that will bring us to our second uh, show. A show that is near and dear to both of our hearts. Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. It's so good. It is amazing. Uh, Crazy Ex-Girlfriend is a a musical show, again, like Gallivant. It was created and stars Rebecca Bloom. Homegirl got the power. Uh, Yes, she does. Um, And as the title might imply, it is about this woman who is obsessed with an ex-boyfriend of hers. (laughs) But I'm... Obsessed might be a tad strong. Uh, we'll let you judge as we discuss. <laughs> <laughs> um, but we open up with summer camp in 2005. Uh, Rebecca's playing like a chorus girl, basically kind of a, a bit part in a, in a musical. 
Um, we cut to after the musical, she's walking with her summer camp boyfriend, Josh Chan. She's saying, like, how music, like, makes her feel alive, even though she's not really that great at it. And they, she, she wants to start planning out, like, how they can still make this relationship work, even though they don't live in, I'm assuming they both live in different states. We never... They never really talk about yeah. it. Um, Josh is kind of like, uh, yeah, about that. Like, you know, I'm school and baseball and all this stuff. Also, you're pretty intense and dramatic. <laughs> and Rebecca's like, what? I'm not intense, I'm dramatic. And then her mom starts honking the collar horn to pick her up. And she goes, mother, are you trying to kill me? Uh, not dramatic at all. No, just, not, not even a little bit. Goes with the flow. No. Um, so Josh basically tells her, like, let's just take a break and be friends. And he says goodbye, runs over to his parents. And we flash cut to ten years later. And Rebecca mm-hmm. is, like, living this really sad alone existence in her apartment that just like doesn't even have any furniture yeah she like, has a bed it's a bed and a tv and there's clothes on the floor and there's nothing else and it's really sad and depressing plain white walls no decoration no nothing and it's i haven't watched the, the whole show through like i've watched i finished the show but i haven't watched the first season in a long time and i forgot like how like stark and like depressing that was at the beginning also like them putting it in a new york city setting is really good because new york city is really tall buildings and gives a nice overcast Mm -hmm. to make it look dark and dreary yeah and i think that's what they were kind of going for is like she's like she's feeling oppressed and trapped in this lifestyle her mom's forced her into basically definitely as this like high price real estate lawyer at some crazy big firm um so she's walking to work she gets there or no she sees an ad on the tv for like this it's fictitious butter company and like the tagline is when is the last time that you were truly happy and she kind of thinks about that and she's like yeah whatever weird she goes to work and she gets there and one of her work friends is like oh my god did you hear you're getting promoted to partner it's like and she's like now it's like it's all setting in like this is if she accepts this position this is her life for the rest of her life like she's locked in and she has this panic attack, which understandable. And she runs outside, and she's she's flipping out. She drops her meds. She's just freaking out. And she looks up, and there's another billboard that says, "When's the last time you were truly happy?" And then like this arrow breaks on the billboard and points down. And walking around the corner is Josh Chan. Uh, <laughs> it's it's just the signs that she needs. Throughout the whole series, she relies heavily on these, like, big, gener- uh, grandiose moments in life that happen that gives her clarity on what she needs to go and do next in her life. Totally should not happen. Don't follow those fictitious signs. Not even a little bit. And it's, yeah, it's... She does that a lot. She does. Like, right up until the end. <laughs> so, she's talking with Josh Chan... Um, and catching up, like, how are you and everything, and it's so crazy to run into you after all these years, and they're talking, and it turns out Josh is actually moving back to his hometown of West Covina, California. West Covina. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so, Becca's kind of, like, sad, like, oh, man, yeah, like, uh, I'll totally check you out if I'm ever in SoCal. Uh, turns out, uh, Rebecca denies the junior partnership at the law firm 
that she just got offered, turning down, uh, well, I think it's like half a million dollars Probably like salary. 540 grand a year like, or something like that. Okay, yeah. I, I, turn that down. Yeah. Uh, she turns it down for a quote-unquote better offer she got. <laughs> she never got an offer. Um... <laughs> So she decides. Oh wait, wait! This is the best part. They're like they're they're listing off all the places, and she's like, "What was it? Boston, Chicago?" And she goes, "It's the place where dreams come true." <laughs> oh my god, she does it so creepy too. She's like really close, and so gentle with her words. It's it, if she turned out to be a serial killer in that episode, I totally would have understood mm-hmm. at that point. So she gets all her stuff up, and she gets and hops on a plane. And we enter into West Covina, and our first song, uh, oddly titled uh, West, West Covina. Covina. And oh my gosh, the song! I play the song all the time. It is on my Spotify playlist. It will randomly just pop into my head. Oh, at, with the weirdest moments. I actually looked up to move over to West Covina <laughs> just because of this show. It's. It, I mean, it looks like a nice place to live. <laughs> um. So, during the episode, I'd like to point out, there's a lot of uh, imagery for, like, classic California, like, oh, anime wigs. You have pretzel stands. Yeah. Which, there's five... In the pilot alone. In the pilot alone. Five images of pretzels. That will come back a lot. Oh, yeah. It's funny, because I never really noticed it. Like, obviously, that becomes a big thing in, like, seasons three and four. But, like, I never really noticed it until you mentioned you were doing a pretzel account. And I'm like, there can't really be that much pretzel imagery. And then, oh, no. There, it's bad. There's a pretzel image. <laughs> like, it's definitely one of, like, the favorite, like, a lot of writers have favorite things that they put yeah. into their shows. You can definitely tell, like, she has some kind of affinity for pretzels. Yeah. We were, um, like, because um, I did a couple movies by the guy who wrote Saw on the podcast. Oh and there's God. always, like, a jigsaw spray-painted somewhere in the background of one of his movies. Mm-hmm. Um, so during the, uh, musical number, we get introduced to all of West Covina, and, um, Rebecca comes out at the end, and, I don't know. <laughs> it's, it, it's, the song is great, and it's, the, like, the song is great, just as a song, but, like, the choreography and everything in it is, like, so on, like, the choreography in the show in general is just insanely good. Um, but it's, it's like, if that's your opening song, that's a hell of a way to kick it off. And that's, it was great. Um, and then I think it's, we go to, uh, it's White Feather and Associates after this, right? Um, okay, yeah. She goes to her new law firm yeah. that she applied to. Daryl Whitefeather is her boss. Um, Daryl Whitefeather may sound like a Native American name. He is not. <laughs> he is a very white gentleman mm. who is apparently one-eighth Chippewa. Uh, he's given her the tour, he, he's like, but he, he, even he's like, I'm, you know, we're glad to have you, but like, what are you doing here? You're a Harvard and whatever other business school, like law school, educated lawyer, like, you're a bit overqualified for this firm, quite frankly. And so we, we get more around the office, we see Paula, who is gonna be a big part. (sighs) My Uh, favorite character. Mrs. Hernandez, who I love because... She's just one of the few people in the show who just does not understand Rebecca at all. It's like her and White Josh have that in common. Oh, yes. Oh, my God. Um, and even Paula's, like, Paula's, like, looking at her resume, like, 
she speaks Mandarin? Like, what? what is this? Why is she here? There's got to be something more to this. So Paula and her meet. Um, Rebecca assumes she's a secretary and asks her for, like, a coffee or something. And Daryl's like, actually, she's, like, our head paralegal. <laughs> you must <on. laughs> And Rebecca's like, oh, I'm so sorry, yada, yada. And they, they, you know, they have their, their tense first interaction, and Rebecca walks off, and Paul looks at Mrs. Hernandez like, I'm going to figure out why she's here. Something is up. And they get to Daryl's office, and they start talking, and Daryl starts having this breakdown, because he's in the middle of a divorce, and his wife is trying to uh, get their daughter, like, full custody. And... He mentions that her lawyer is this really smart Jewish guy. Oh my god, such a cringy moment. Yes! And Daryl's so, so not self-aware. And Rebecca, who is Jewish, is like, okay. Oh. And then, I just want to put in context here, I'm quoting, alright? This is, I'm just quoting Daryl, <laughs> alright? Nobody get mad and try to cancel me. Oh my gosh. <laughs> he goes, look, her Jew's so smart, I just want to show her that I found a really smart Jew too. Ugh. <laughs> And Rebecca is understandably offended by that comment, but she gets a text notification that Josh is at this bar home home plate, and she's like rushing out the door, and she's like, "Oh yeah, yeah no, we'll definitely we'll circle back to this. Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely not, or I'm so, I'm interested. I just gotta go do a thing." And like as she's leaving, she turns like, "And by the way, let's have a conversation about that whole Jew thing because we we need to talk about that." And she leaves. <laughs> and after she leaves, he's like, "Jew thing? Why would I say that?" Come on, Daryl. Like. <laughs> So, not cool. Yeah. Uh, so we go to home plate, and this is where we meet Greg. Oh, Greg is life. Greg uh, greets Becca. He's the bartender. And uh, he serves her a beer and starts getting in. And Rebecca, obviously, is not paying attention whatsoever because she is scouring the bar trying to find Josh. So Greg's continuing to talk to her, and she's not paying attention. She's like, oh, I see you're the one that listens. Yeah. yeah. Totally my type. And Rebecca's like, what? <laughs> and uh, she mentions that she's from New York, and he goes, oh, that's crazy. I had a friend who just, you know, moved back here from New York. And she goes, he goes, ah, you wouldn't know him, though. It's like, it's a big city. And she goes, oh, what's his name? Maybe I do know him. And he mentions that his friend is Josh. And she, like, loses her mind. She's like, Josh Chan? You know Josh Chan? And he's like, she goes, uh, she mentions they went to camp together. And he's like, oh, it's so crazy. You just missed him. That's his beer over there. And she's pissed that she's missed another chance to, to uh, meet with Josh. And Greg is like, well, you know, I know where he's going to be tomorrow night. There's this house party we're all going to. And, uh, you know, I guess you could come, like, with me? And she's like, yeah, no, cool, 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 whatever. And he's very clearly asking her on a date. Oh, yeah. She's just not even aware. She just heard Josh is going to be at this party, and now she has an in. Like, homegirl is just just one goal focused forward, and it's Josh Chan. Oh, yeah, 100%. That's all she cares about. It doesn't, she's completely uprooted her entire life. And Josh Chan is her But new that's not why I'm here. <laughs> she denies it. Denies it, denies it. Um, so we then cut to, if you thought the opener was great, the Sexy Kitten Ready song. Oh. It's so good. First I make everything shiny and smooth. Oh yeah. Cause I want my party to be so soft for you. Bye bye skin. 
Uh, as the title and Ethan's little rendition might suggest, this is Rebecca's preparing herself for the uh, the party to meet Josh. Yeah. Uh, it's hilarious, as the show often is. Uh, and at the end, of the towards the end of the song, there's some rapper who comes in. I'm not sure who he was. I didn't recognize him. I, I think it's just a regular. Yeah, yeah. maybe. Um, and he starts off with like, just he he doesn't even really get like three lines in, and then he sees like all the ridiculous stuff that goes into a woman you getting ready. You have wax like appliers everywhere. Yeah, there's blood on the tub. <laughs> Ass blood. Ass blood from her ripping the hairs off. Oh my god. Yep. <sighs> and he's like, oh my god, is this what you like go through? Like this is some disgusting patriarchal bullshit. And he goes, this is the best exit line ever. I got some bitches I gotta go apologize to. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and he takes off and the song wraps up. And, oh, we also cut it during that song to how, she goes, let's see how the guys get ready. And you just see Greg passed out on a couch with like a beer and the TV remote in his hand. But like, where's the lie? Yeah. Like, I come mean, on. I kind of can't, can't dispute that. Yeah. Um... <laughs> So, Greg shows up at her house to pick her up. She comes out in this really tight dress, and he's like, oh my god, you look amazing. She's like, oh, I just woke up like this. Like, homegirl, you're just like, you look fabulous, you're a 10, and you're like, oh, I just put on some chapstick, it's fine. Yeah. So they get to the party, and they're, Greg's, you know, giving her some of his backstory. He got accepted to business school, but then uh, his dad got sick, so he had to stay, and she's like... Just, like, nodding her head, but not really paying attention. She's looking for Josh, and he's like, are you, like, into Josh? Because I get it. He's good looking, and yada yada. And she's like, no, 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 that's crazy. And she, like, grabs him and kisses him. And then, like, she keeps moving around the house trying to find Josh. She's like, let's go outside. And, like, and then... Oh, my God, I'm cold. Yeah, let's, let's go, go inside. inside. Are you guys are you hungry? Let's go to the kitchen. And, like, all those places. And then they go to the bedroom. And... They get in there, and he's like, is it cool? Is it okay in here? And she's like, yeah. And then he goes, is it okay that Josh is in here? She's like, no, it's crazy. I'm not I'm not into Josh at all. And they're kissing on the bed some more, and then he gets a text from Josh that says he can't make it because his girlfriend is making him go to her niece's quinceanera or something like that, his sister's quinceanera or whatever. And Rebecca is, like, shattered to find out he has a, a girlfriend because on Facebook it says he's single. And she goes onto this mini rant of like, but on Facebook it says he's single. Like, why, why, would, why would he invite his Facebook? And Gre- like, Greg is like, okay, you're into Josh. Like, can we just drop the charade here? And she's like, no, no, no. And she starts to kiss him more, and then she starts crying. Oh my God, Greg, the girl is crying. You ask, oh, I should leave. No, Greg, you should Kool Aid Man through that wall, boy. Yeah. Like you, no, you just exit your situation, boy. But, no, he continues to stay there and talk with Becca. But he stops trying to hook up with her. That is true. Yeah, Greg does at least. He is a gentleman, at least. He's like, I may not know much, but I know you probably shouldn't hook up with a crying girl. And I'm like, you know, respect. That's, it's, it's good manners. It's, it's good form. Um, so, they're just going to leave the party. Oh, yeah. Because, whatever. Ugh. And then, enter <laughs> Paula. Paula has been doing a little snooping into Rebecca. As she left the office, Paula went in and snuck onto her computer and uh, found some information about her and why she's actually here in West Covina. Um, Becca proceeds to deny that she's here for any particular reason whatsoever. Um, Paula 
Uh, no, she keeps saying she wanted to be near the beach. Oh. <laughs> I do love a beach, but, like, girl. Come on. She then proceeds to uh, tell Rebecca how... It's funny that she has checked Josh Chan's Facebook 36 times and his Twitter like 18 times. Okay, those numbers are actually ridiculous. Yep. Like, homegirl, you need to, you, you you need need to calm help. down. <laughs> um, so Rebecca gets kind of defensive with it and explains her whole story of why she actually came here. Yeah, because Josh made her feel warm and like there was glitter exploding inside her. Yes. <laughs> You know that feeling when glitter just explodes inside you. Oh, I have at least once a day. Oh, we... <laughs> I don't want to know about glitter exploding in people ever. Uh, it's not a euphemism. <laughs> but they kind of get over um, their little kind of combative attitude that they've had and go together and let's get you together with Josh. Because Rebecca, like, it finally clicks. Like, she'd been in denial this whole time. That she'd come here for Josh, and then it finally clicks that, oh my god, I, like, destroyed my career, I uprooted my life, I moved across the entire country for this one guy, and now I get here and he's not even single. <laughs> and, like, she's freaking out, and Paul's like, oh, no, 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 I just, I just, you know. <laughs> oh. And then you have a little nice West Covina reprise again. Yep. And Bala and Rebecca sing together, and it is so beautiful moment. Everybody should have a friend like Paula. Oh, I want to be Paula. <laughs> I'm going to be the Paula friend. Oh, uh, and that's kind of where we, we close out. Like, now Rebecca's, like, got entrenched. Oh, and Josh texted her to ask if she wanted to go to dinner. Yes. So that's where we end things. Um, so, it's... One of the issues Crazy Ex-Girlfriend does deal with is the topic of mental illness. And yes. clearly Rebecca does have some legitimate issues. And it's tough because, like... There's a bunch of people in her life who are genuinely trying to help her, but they're really just kind of enabling her bad behavior and bad decision-making. Oh, yeah. And it's great because the show never ever plays it off as, like, people trying to, like, take advantage of her or, like, you know, it's just, like, people are genuinely trying to help. Yeah, they're and, trying to be her friend. Yeah, and they think that they can, that she's just kind of, like, like Josh said, she's just a little overdramatic and intense, but, like, not really cuckoo bananas. And they're, they're, you know, they're just trying to, like, help steer her along. Um, but, and that's another thing, like, Galavan, the show really balances that tightrope of serious dramatic issues, like mental illness and stuff like that, and then just the sheer absurdity of what is happening oh, yeah. with Rebecca, like, literally uprooting her entire life because she saw a guy she dated for two months ten years ago. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> I wouldn't uproot my life, quote-unquote. <coughs> cough, cough. Yeah, no. Um, but, like like I said earlier, there is some weird similarities here, because we start off with both of them, Galavant and Rebecca, are at, like, the, the highest of highs, right? Galavant is going to get Madeline back, save her, and they're going to live their life forever. Rebecca starts off at that summer camp thinking that she's finally found, like, a new passion and that she and Josh are going to be together forever. And then right after, they get the legs cut out from under them. Madalena ditches Gallivant, Josh ditches Rebecca, and then we cut, flash forward to, like, them at the lowest of lows. Um, and they both have, like, fantastic supporting casts. The music is great. The choreography is great. Um, I, yeah, I, can't, I can't recommend these shows enough for people. Oh, I love Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. 
I think I have watched all four seasons in its entirety. Oh, yeah, that's another thing. This show, luckily, Crazy Ex-Girlfriend had a longer run. Oh, yes. Um, I think I've watched Crazy Ex-Girlfriend at least five times, and there's roughly about 15 episodes per each season. season. Yeah. Uh, so that was a lot of time. So mm. good. And each episode is, uh, like 40 minutes long. And like we said, it's, it's, the music is, there's less songs throughout, but when they hit, it's, it's, like you said, they're impactful and purposeful and it's, it's, it's very, just amazing. It's, be- it's beautiful. I, the other thing I will say, I, as much as I love Gallivant, a lot of their budget probably went to shooting on location in those ridiculous medieval things. Oh, yeah. So when Crazy Ex-Girlfriend does, like, a full-on musical number, it's a full-on musical number, like, set, like, crazy, you know, backdrop sets and, like, like costume changes and all this crap and that just, just Galvan just doesn't have the, the money to do. Yeah, I think Galvan has that problem where they're spending a lot of their money on clothing just because of the period era clothing yep. that you need and the castle locations, like, those Can't are historical cheap. castles yeah. probably. Like, you have to think, pay out the nose. Uh, I can't remember where they filmed. Maybe New Zealand? No, not New Zealand. I can't remember where they filmed. But, um, yeah, they, they it, I'm sure that ate up a lot of their budget. It's a nice location like you're definitely like oh, oh yeah. wow and i don't mean gallivant looks cheap i just mean like they they don't like when the musical kicks in it just they don't have like that big production number that crazy ex-girlfriend gets no giant uh pretzels going yes, out of the air that rebecca can ride on um also definitely stick their crazy ex-girlfriend all the way because the final episode is a live concert episode and oh. it is amazing oh this so the songs in Crazy Ex-Girlfriend are so, like, out there, it's ridiculous. Like, they just take you by surprise. Um, I know one of the songs is uh, uh, Getting By, and it is about how um, one of the characters has come to the realization that he is not straight, he is actually bi. And it is a, it is a very... Big production. They don't take an intellectual to know that he's bisexual. Oh my gosh. <laughs> it's really good. It's so good. It just gets better and better as like you go through Rebecca's past and all of her love interests she comes across. Yeah, they were pretty good about like slowly peeling back Rebecca's layers instead of just like info dumping it all in like the first two seasons. Oh yeah. Um uh yeah, it's it's fantastic. It's the, the, I I deeply resonate with Greg's season one song "Settle for Me." <laughs> oh my gosh! Uh, oh man, yeah, I, I can't can't recommend these shows enough. Uh, well, I think that's about it for us today, guys. Thanks for listening. You can always find us in our direct links that I post on our Facebook page. Uh, we're also on Apple uh, Podcasts and Spotify. And I hope you liked what you heard. And I hope to see you guys next episode. Bye. Bye.